I'm going to share with you today is this is something that's transpired over a number of years, what I'm going to share from experience. I'm going to share with you examples. I'm going to share with you how it comes about. And uh, some of you are going to say, prophecy is about future. Yes, but I said, this is personal prophecy. And I'm going to show you how it played in my life. I'm going to show you how it played into the church I pastored. I'm going to share with you uh, what's happened in my own personal life and in other people's lives. So I'm going to give those examples. I, this is more of a teaching today. Uh, so sit back in those 49.95 chairs that we bought you. <laughs> dig in and say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this today. I, I pray that this will be the best hour that you ever have in your life. Every week, you look forward to coming here. So here we go. Y'all ready to go? Everybody ready to go? How many's ever heard a sermon on personal prophecy? Nobody. Okay. I told you I may have something here. How many wants to hear this today? Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. John 10, 10. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. Here's what the Lord says. I've come that they may have life. And they may have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, to kill, destroy your life, your children, your property, everything about you. But God comes to really uh, give you this abundant life. God is good. The devil is bad. The greatest thing that I know is that God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. It's the greatest thing I know. It's a big revelation. God is for me. The devil is against me. Black and white. It's real clear to see. You can see that the Lord is on your side. Those things I thank God for early in my life. I was around great people that put that within my heart. But then I did not understand the power of personal prophecy. That how that really played in my life. Now I want you to understand something. This is not a side issue. This is a right down the middle issue. This is not a little thing. This is a big thing. I say concentrate on the big things in the Bible and spend big time on that and on the little things, little time. I say take the big stuff, but this is a major deal. It drives your life. It propels you. It, it gets you going forward. It gives you vision. It causes you to know where you're heading. And uh, you may not know everything. But I want you to get these two terms. The first term is Logos. L-O-G-O-S, if you're taking notes. L-O-G-O-S. This Bible right here is Logos. It's a miracle that this book is about. It was people that were inspired to write. It's the infallible word of God. It is a perfect God writing through imperfect people like you and me. Elijah, all these guys, Luke, Paul. Can I just tell you something? They got up and took a shower or a bath. They didn't probably have showers back then. They had to put on their clothes. They had to put on their shoes, just like you do. They had the same problems, the same passions, the same difficulties, the same temptations. They wrote these, these words down, and through time, they said, this is the word of God, and it's been proven. Any man that tries to change one dot, one comma, 
I tell you what, cursed be you. So nobody's going to tilt the Bible. The Bible is God's word that was inspired. That All these scriptures is called Logos, L-O-G-O-S. It's the general word of God, general word of God. But when you're reading the Bible, like many of you do every day, and I encourage you, if you want God to speak to you on a constant basis, read the Bible. Get in uh, the book of James. Start there. It's the book of wisdom in the New Testament. It's a place where you can really grow. And all of a sudden, you've heard this term, I'm sure, maybe in your Christian life, but if not, I'm going to give it to you. I say this, the, a scripture just comes off the pages to you. It's quickened to you. It's made alive to you. That term is called rhema, R-H-E-M-A. It's God's word that is made alive to you. So all the Bible is logos. Then a scripture comes off the pages to you and it becomes personalized to you. That is rhema. So we have the logos, all the Bible, all of it's true, but maybe... The Holy Spirit did not illuminate that scripture to you or that reading to you. But all of a sudden, one day, man, I've read this a thousand times. All of a sudden, the scripture comes off the pages. Well, I just want to share this with you. That's called rhema. That's the rhema word of God. That's the word of God made alive to you. It's personalized to you. The, now, the word each I'm, I'm using, I just, I want you to see that also the word could be quicken, Q-U-I-C-K-E-N, quicken. Let me give you a scripture, and I could give you many, but I just, I just want to take this scripture right here in Psalms 119, 107, King James. I'm afflicted very much. Quicken me, listen to this, quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Lord, make it alive, like your word comes alive. Make me alive. God quickens something in my spirit. You'll see that reference many times. You can get out your Bible concordance and begin to look. Things are made alive. Listen, church is not dead. It's a living organism. We are a living organism. The Bible is not dead. It's alive. It is a alive thing like no other book. No other book can, can be compared to this Bible. There's nothing. The book of, see, you can understand why being a Mormon is a cult. The book of Mormon is put equal to the Bible. It should show you what a cult is. It's one of the five things to determine what a cult is. No book is ever equal to the Bible. The Bible stands alone. Those 66 books are inspired by God to give you life. And so you need to understand that. You treasure that. You read it, and you get it down your spirit. It'll change you. It'll change you from the inside out. Now, I want to tell you about just an experience. I was fresh out of college. I was working for the man that um, is, at that time, had the largest church in Louisville, Kentucky, W.L. Rogers. W.L. Rogers was a loving, praying God-fearing mentor to me in my life. I learned so much with him. He would do so many things. I, I, I would laugh at him so many times. He would say, hey, Gary, I want you to know, if you get a cemetery at your church, you can bury 3,000 people in an acre. 
I never got that in school anywhere else, okay? I mean, he, he would do things. and He would be so unorganized at times, but so many people got saved. He started 34 churches. He was a pioneer, apostle. And uh, he was a great pastor. He just loved people. And uh, he'd be up in the middle of the night going to hospitals to see people. He never got bigger than his church. He never got too big for his pants. He was always a humble individual that spoke the truth. He was a prime example of the way someone should live their life that I look to. And I still just vividly remember all the things that he would say and do. I remember going with him. He said, would you drive me to a meeting tonight? He was going to speak at this church. I said, sure. We were coming back and he said, oh, I forgot my radio broadcast. Find me a payphone." So it was raining and uh, we get out and. He don't have any change. I got change and I'm putting it in the quarters and he's calling the radio station. Said, just put me on live. I'm going to do it right here from this pay phone. So I held out the umbrella and I'll never forget the, the operator came in and said, put more, more money in for the next 10 minutes while the radio broadcast. He said, I'm, I'm on, on phone right here, giving you the word of God. I just laughed. It would be things I, I could sit here and tell stories all day long. My point is this. That he was a man that loved God. And he was very passionate. When I left, he told me, and I, I felt the call, and really to come to Georgetown. He prayed a prayer over me. And while he was praying a prayer, he says, you're going to have an effect over the whole bluegrass region. God is going to bless you. And this was before I ever planted the church down in Georgetown. And uh, those words don't seem like very powerful words, but it did some things to me. And I'm going to tell you what it did for me. Number one is this. It got my thinking out of the neighborhood into an area. You see these little churches? Nobody's ever spoken to their life a lot of times. They never thought, they just thought a street. They just thought a section. They never thought the big picture. They never thought area. So that, that, that really impacted me. I, everything I did from then on, I started thinking about the area. Our church at the very beginning was comprised of people from all different kinds of counties all around People drove there. They drove to church. And it was amazing. I was on WJMM for years. And uh, people would come. They would hear. They'd hear a teaching, sermon, 15 minutes every day, twice a day. We'd be on radio. And then one day, I decided, well, shoot. Let's just go on channel 27. So we went on 27. It was so wild. You know, when it's kind of like this live nativity scene. You may see a goat or a sheep. I'm not joking. Maybe running down 421 here, okay? But how we did that was really amazing. I'm going to give you just one story to show you the impact of when that man prayed for me. And he says, you're going to have, a, you're going to have an impact over the bluegrass region. So I got on channel 27. And I... Don't remember saying this, but I said it. And the more he talked to me, this man called me up and he said, um, you spoke on this morning 
to go down to your local church. I said, there's somebody sitting on a couch and right now they're listening to me and you need to get up off that couch and you need to go down to your local church and give your heart to the Lord today. Well, this guy was up in the mountains. He went down to a little Baptist church and he got saved. And in the next three to four months, there was over 30 people in his family. That church had a revival. Why? It doubled in size. His family was there and all his family got saved in that church. From me saying, get up off your couch, go down to your local church and give your heart to the Lord. Well, he called me up and he said, I want you to come down and I want you to baptize all my family. It's been when you made that statement to me, it clicked in my spirit. And you know what? I know that I know that I know that I know, man, this was, this was a God thing. It was God. It was a personal prophecy to him. It was a personalized thing to him. You all start catching the vision of this a little bit. And so it was something that I knew. And I said, well, you need to ask your pastor if it's okay. I don't want to intrude upon him. No, the pastor wants you to come down. He wants you to speak. And then he wants you to baptize us all. I said, okay. So I went down there and I saw what one little seed, one little thing, the impact in a part of the mountains that it had on a whole family. From that, I began to see, to open up my eyes. You remember, I've told you this story before. I played softball over here at Georgetown. I was in Georgetown one time. The only time, I was a base hitter. I was no power hitter. If you know anything about softball, I was a base hit guy. Normally, I let off. On most of the good teams, I let off. I played on a lot of good softball teams. But down there, I got hitting home runs, and I think I hit 11, and I should have had 12. One hit the light pole. Andrew says, Dad, there's no way you did this, but I, it's the truth. I hit a light pole at the top, and it bounced back in. They only gave me a ground rule double. I was really mad about that. But you know what? I had a dream. I had a dream. I never had a dream before in my life, a spiritual dream. I went to bed. I saw this thing about Toyota coming to Georgetown. I said to Marsha, I played it in a softball tournament there. I know the Lord helped me hit those home runs because it made an impression upon my mind. And I hit 11 home runs there in a tournament. And uh, anyhow, that night I went to bed and I dreamt that I went to Georgetown, Kentucky. I saw the streets. I saw the way that it looked. And he said, go to Georgetown. It was just inside me. Not audibly, but inside of me. So we moved up here. We started the church. We planted the church. The church has been a blessing. So many people and still going. And probably, if not, one of the largest, if the largest church in Georgetown right now. In a growing, th thriving community. You know, it was hard at the beginning. I was a substitute teacher. Why did you pick Georgetown, some teachers would ask me. And Marsha and I talked about this. I said, did I just play it off or did I just tell them the truth? So Marsha and I decided we're just going to tell them the truth. Well, I had a dream. I hit 11 home runs in a softball tournament. God gave me a dream to come to Georgetown, Kentucky. 
Now, how many of you would say, this guy is a nut? I would. And, of course, Marsha was at the hospital. The doctors would ask her, the nurses and surgery and different people. She worked in surgery when she came here. Marsha, why did y'all decide to come to Georgetown? Uh, my husband had a dream. <laughs> and God spoke to him in that dream. Come to Go to Georgetown, Kentucky. Go to Georgetown. Oh, you imagine the kind of looks that we would get, okay? But there was one day when all the girls, when somebody died at the hospital, it was one of the boss's dads or moms, and all the girls met that worked with Marsha. And she was able to say, after $7 million worth of property upon that hill, there's a dream my husband had. There's the dream my husband had. You see, it was the thing that drove me. It was the thing that as God spoke to my heart and made things personal. This is not going to be very long, so please stay in there with me. I don't say this randomly, but this is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. I want you to turn your Bible if you have your Bible or look up here on the screen. 1 Timothy 1 verse 18 and 19. This is Paul giving a charge to Timothy, and I don't know if you've ever read this before like this, but just read with me what the Bible says. This charge I commend unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. Listen to this. I'm, I'm reading this out. According to the prophecies that which went before thee are you. Listen. Commit your ways according. There's been a lot of things said to you, Timothy. There's been some personal prophecies. I'm not making this up. You can read it right here in the Bible. It wasn't a prophecy about the end of times. It was prophecy for him. Something to inspire, to encourage, to go forth. And it says, and thou might, listen to this, war a good warfare. You've got to use this to war. You know that God has called you. There's many times I thought, Marsha, let's leave. We're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. It's too discouraging. It's, we're a failure. We're, we didn't hear the Lord. No, we're staying. God spoke to you. So we held our course. And it was the thing that I would say, the Lord, you've called me here. You've got to help me. If you called me, you've got to help me. You call me, you got to help me. Lord, and I press forward. Now watch this next verse. Watch this next verse. Holding faith in a good conscience. Faith and conscience are together. Uh, conscience is uh, the, what's, what you're thinking. Uh, if you don't have a clean conscience, you're always going to feel like, I'm not good enough. Um, God hasn't called me. Why would God even cut me out? And have me to do this. That's a conscience. You got to understand conscience and uh, faith work together. If you don't have a clean conscience, if you think you're not right with God, you're not going to have very much faith. Do you all, how many understand what I'm saying here? Am, am I only registering with two people out there? <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Your conscience, if you don't have a clear conscience, 
Your faith is not going to be so great. If you think you're doing something dishonest. You think you're doing something wrong. Your conscience is telling you this is wrong. It's not right. Or you're no good. The devil's probably lying to you. And so you're not going to have very much faith. Faith and conscience work together. Everybody with me on that? Which some having put away concerning faith and they've been made shipwrecked. Notice that verse. They've been shipwrecked. They've been made shipwrecked. Think about that. Their lives. They did not use their faith. Listen to me on this. God is obligated to keep his promises. But God is not obligated to keep your potential. I taught school and was a coach at the largest high school in the state of Indiana. It's a town, New Albany, Indiana is right across from Louisville. It's a town that has a lot of large people. My first year there, I was the freshman coach. Just get this. This was back in the 80s. I, it was not an, a, an abnormal thing for, an, for one of my freshmen to dunk the ball. They went on to play Division I basketball. It was a very big school. I'll never forget, I was in the second, second game, and Bubby Mukes comes down and dunks the ball. I said, dear Lord, that's in the middle of a game. Freshmen just hammering it against really good competition. Those freshmen were never allowed to play on varsity at the school during that time, only sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And in the high school, there was such tall kids. They just be, there, there was probably more talent walking down the halls than there was on the team. Our team was phenomenal. We had 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", 6'8", 6'7", 6'7". Guys that were shot put champions in the state of Indiana. I mean, we had a lot of talent. But I just look around and think, all this potential. They're not even using it. It's like in a church. It's like in an individual life. They're not using their potential. We have so much potential. We have enough people right now with potential to turn the bluegrass area upside down for the Lord. Jesus said, I got these 12. They, they would say, hey, your apostles are here now. They've turned the world upside down. Let me tell you something. You build a fire, that fire starts blazing. You better watch out. And that's what can happen in church when people start getting focused and start understanding stuff. And you know what? Don't despise when something hits you. You, you must thank God for what he does over and over and over and over again. Can anybody say amen to that? How do they come to you? How do personal prophecies come to you? Now listen, this is just some. It's not inclusive. But I'm going to give you some by reading this Bible. Something can jump off to you. You're going to do it. You're going to go. There may be a word. One word can change your whole life from God. Everybody with me? Number two, that some, something someone says. Something someone says. When we were starting the church at Georgetown, uh, Georgetown, the second building we were in, uh, excuse me, the third building that we were in, we went to 
Hillside Professional Center, then the bottom of the old hospital. Then we went to where sport, Scott County Sports were, was actually. And um, one, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church. We, we just piled them all in. We just kept on preaching. And uh, one Sunday night, this young girl from Georgetown College came there. I gave an altar call. She came to the altar call and she said, I've been high, I've been drunk. I've been partying for a week. She said, my life is a mess. I'm going to flunk out. I said, well, the first thing you need to do is ask Jesus in your life and forgive you of your sins. And, and so she did that and she asked God to come into her life. She got saved miraculously right there. God took away all of her sins, made her a brand new person. Old things were passed away. And then she looked right at me and she said, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I said back to her, I think you're going to be a doctor. I didn't say, thus saith the Lord or God saying, I said, I think you're going to be a doctor. I just said it like that. Now, I do remember all that. And then I was doing a wedding up in Louisville years later. And uh, the Kentucky-Indiana game was on. I'd done this wedding, and it was a pretty good-sized wedding, about 125, 150 people at this reception. It was in a hotel, and there was a small little bar over there, and they had a TV. While everybody else was eating, I kind of snuck off, and I was watching Indiana-Kentucky, and Kentucky is getting beaten. I thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to watch that. And all of a sudden, this girl, very beautiful girl, looked like in her mid-30s, Hey, Brother Gary. I said, hey, you don't know me, do you? I said, no, I, I really don't, hon. You know, I said, I, I see a lot of people, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I didn't know your name. So, well, let me just tell you about it. I was a Georgetown student. I was there. I gave my heart to the Lord. And you said, I think you're going to be a doctor. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And you said, I think you're going to be a doctor. You know what? She said, I started couldn't just get it out of my mind. I'm going to be a doctor? Well, I'm going to be a doctor. She said, it could not leave me. Now, I, I just said it. I just think, I don't know why I even said that. I really don't. I really don't even think I was, undoubtedly it must have been underneath the Lord. But I didn't think about it. And I was afraid to ask because I thought the next question, are you a doctor? <laughs> Please be a doctor, okay? Please, I ask you, please be a doctor. Transform her Lord right now to be a doctor. <laughs> she said, I'm a doctor. I said, not only that, I married a doctor. I said, you're a doctor and you married a doctor. I was so happy. You don't know what that was like. I forgot about the Kentucky blowout by Indiana that year. Oh, Lord, it was horrible. And uh, I just thought, really? Really? Someone just says something and that drives your life for the next 15 years? Whoa. Number three, by prayer. God may give this to you by prayer. Number four, God may give this to you through a sermon. Number five, it may be your pastor ministering to you. You must remember something. One of the things, you must have faith in the people that you sit under. If you don't trust me, you need to get out and find someone you do trust. 
because I'm going to be here week in, week out. I tell you something, pray for you. I, I must admit, I missed it or you missed it, but I'm here every week. So you gotta, you, there's got to be a trust factor in that. And just because I say it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but there's got to be a trust that I, I'm not going to try to say something to get somebody messed up because I'm trying to pastor the church. And, and sixth thing, a minister that you may have confidence in. So what, what does it do? It puts, what does a personal prophecy do? It puts it in your mind and heart. It's something that is locked in. It's number two, it's for the now. And it's for future things that may happen. And number three, we must war with it or we must fight the battle. We must fight going uphill in our life. Those things that God would say, and listen to me on this. I want you to get this. This can happen in different seasons of your life. When you're needing something, I don't stay in the same season in my life all the time. I have different seasons in my life, and there's these things that come along. Man, somebody says something, it encourages me. Example, you know, years ago, there was one word that I felt in my heart, simplify. I simplified my life. I have simplified my life. I, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, simplify your life. You're, you've got too much stuff going on. Simplify it. Another thing that I, I remember just recently, we had a prayer meeting for about two or three days. And the word breakthrough came in. And man, all I can ever hear anymore is breakthrough. Lord, thank you for that breakthrough. Thank you, God, for that breakthrough that's going to happen. See, it's those things, those little words that come in your heart or a scripture that somebody may give you that you'll know. Now listen to this. In Mark 10, 15, there's a unique scripture. It says this. Verily I say unto you, who shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter in. What's it saying? It's saying if we don't become like a little child, we have an inheritance. We get things from God because we're God's kids. We inherit things. Salvation is an inherent thing. We inherit the promises of God. Things are given to us simply because we're, we are a Christian. God is our father. We're a Christian. Those things belong to us. He said in Psalms 103, forget not your benefits. Forget not these benefits. Remember these things. Bring this stuff in. This is the benefits of really serving the Lord. It says that right in the Bible. You can look it up. Look it up later. But then in Matthew 11 verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist unto now. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent. Take it by force. You've got to war for things. You've got to fight for things. You have potential. But you got to fight for things. You know what? This year that looked like Kentucky may win the national championship. First game of the season. They look like they may never even win the Southeast Conference to me. I mean, they got beat by 35 points. One of the worst beatings besides Kansas in UK history. Horrible. They looked horrible. Every day, they still don't look very good to me. And every game, every day, they got to concentrate on getting better, 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 better. The gap is going to close. Trust me, the gap is going to close. How much they can close that gap? Well, 
will determine whether they even make the final four. They got to fight for it. You got to fight for things. Nothing is going to be given to you like that. Only the inheritance that God gives to you. But then prophecy is then spoken. It's spoken. And it gives you a future. It gives you out front. That's why I say it's a major deal. It's a thing. Without a vision, a person perishes. Am I, am I speaking the truth on that? Things, I mean, if you don't have a vision, you perish. Your child does not have a vision. What happens to most kids? They don't have a vision. They don't know what they're going to do in school. They don't even know whether they should go to college, what they should do, whether they should go to a trade school, pick up a trade. Let me tell you what, it's very important. Even when you're older, you've got to have a vision. You've got to have a purpose. Everybody's got a purpose. The reason you're still living is because you've got a purpose. You've got to go for that purpose. Without a purpose, there's no life. People retire, three years they normally die. Average, average time. Why? Real simple for me. You have no purpose. I got a purpose. I'm going to live long. You got a purpose. You're going to live long. I just say, Gary, you don't know. You may get knocked off. I may. But for right now, my vision is I'm going to live a long life. I'm going to live, and I'm not just going to live that long life. I'm going to have a healthy life. Not only that, I'm going to have a vision and a purpose and more things to conquer. And I'm asking for more mountains to climb. I'm not just wanting to climb one little mountain right here. We got a lot of stuff to do at this place. We have a lot of stuff to do. And you must understand this. God will keep his promises. But we're in charge of our potential. That's called responsibility. I'm going to give you a scripture right now. You need to Write this down and look at it when you get home, but get a hold of this scripture. This is, this is a scripture. I honestly, I never read it like I'm going to read it to you. Listen to this. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people of God go. This is in Exodus 13, 17, and 18. That God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. God says, I'm not going to take you. To the promised land. Do you realize this? It was only a three day journey. To go from Egypt. Through the Red Sea. To the Philistines. I mean from Egypt. To the promised land. Three day journey. That's all two and a half million people had to do. God says I'm not going to take them that way. I'm not going to take them a shortcut. They're not really ready to war. They can't. They're not going to war. Because they haven't had any practice. They're going to have to go through some battles. They're going to have to be battle tested. Because there's, going to, there's giants in that land. And for them to overcome. You remember the first thing that Joshua did? Jericho and all those cities and all those things. I mean the walls came tumbling down. If he had not been battle tested. He would have never been ready to go into the promised land. God says no I'm not going to let you go through a shortcut. You're going to have to go through some conflicts. And that's the way life is. Every, listen to this. I'm going to do this in basketball terms. God is 40 and 0. That's 40 wins and no losses. That's what you got to think. He's never going to put you in a conflict that you can't win. Every conflict, you're set up to win. It's just according to whether you, you really fight through it. So you know what? You got to stand up and fight for things. You lay down and you become a quitter. You know what? They got, I love that commercial on TV. This coach is in there giving it to them. Our team never quits. We never quit. The only thing, though, that we do quit 
cable. We quit cable. We go to direct TV. I laugh at that. I'll, you ever see that one guy? He's throwing it. There's some really good actors in that commercial. I like it. I, I have to laugh at it many times. I watch it over and over and still laugh at it. That's all it takes to amuse me. God led him not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near or it was close. It was a closer way. God said, let's preadventure that the people repent. When they see war, they'll return to Egypt. If there's a conflict, they're just going to return back to Egypt. It ain't going to take long to defeat these people. So here's what God said in verse 18. But God led the people about and through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went and harnessed out of the land of Egypt, or they went out of the land of Egypt. They went the long way. We're always about 10 minutes away from losing it. We're pretty fragile people. 10 minutes, maybe 15. I'm giving you a break on that. But I want you to understand, we're, we're just very 10 minutes away. You get, you get conflicted in your mind. You know why you have emotional problems? You know why you're so emotionally distraught sometimes? Because you got two thoughts in your mind and they're conflicting each other. It's real easy. I'm not a psychiatrist. Just giving that. That's free help today, okay? Angel came to Mary. A personal prophecy came to her. Listen to this. Luke 2, 19. It says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. In one translation, it says that she um, really just weighed those things and pondered those things. She, another translation says that she treasured those things that God said to her. A 14-year-old girl that was going to deliver the Son of God in a barn, in a manger. She thought, she weighed those things and she pondered those things. It says this in Luke 2.19. And she thought upon those things. That was what propelled her to go forward. Are you all with me on that one right there? You got to, listen, this term, you got to think saved. I'm not thinking lost. I'm thinking saved. I'm thinking I'm God's kid. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. God's hand is upon me. I got to think saved. I got to think saved. Listen. God wants to encourage you. Some of you have tried every woman or every man available. I wonder if the Lord just give you a, a little prophecy about something. Pick out a redhead with freckles. That has all his teeth. Listen to this. When we're good, we're gods. When we're bad, we're gods. We don't, we're not saved for a second and then lost all of a sudden. We are saved. We're gods. We're God's property. You got to understand that. You got to get it. We are gods. Think saved. Think saved. Listen to this. Do you get these scriptures right here? 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. Quench not the spirit. 
Some people don't want the Holy Spirit to move. They don't want it in their church. Therefore, they resort to dry, non-guided, futuristic things to be led in their life. Quench not the Spirit. I, I just don't get it. I just... I, I talk with pastors. It's amazing to me. Well, well, we... We really wanted to do that, and it was going to cost $3,000. So, Gary, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not. No, it's not. I've been broke. Oh, yeah. I didn't know how I was going to make it a lot of times. I paid every bill. There's not one person can say that I never paid out my bills. I don't owe nobody nothing that I know of. If you, I owe you something, please see me after church. Uh, but you know, it's going to take $3,000 worth of faith. <laughs> Come on. You're going to have to have a whole lot more than that. If you're going to live a long life, you're going to have to have, a, you're going to have to have some faith and dig in. You're going to fight and do what God wants you to do. You're going to have to dig in. You want a good woman? You're going to have to have some faith and believe God's going to give you a good woman. If you're a woman, you got to believe that God's going to give you a good man. You don't need just some average girl. You need a good girl. You need a godly girl. You need someone that'll be faithful to you. If you're a, you're a woman, you want, you don't want some womanizer. You don't want somebody that's got his hand on top of the table and under the table at the same time. Okay. Y'all didn't get all that, did you? You want you a godly man. A good looking one. That looks good to you. Sometimes people don't look good to you. Some people do. Not everybody looks good to everybody. Did you know that? So you ain't the hunk of the world. Just remember all that. <laughs> Listen to this next three words. Despise not prophecy. Don't get in your heart. Listen. Can I just say this and please listen to me? There are religious nuts out there. There are religious flakes out there. There are people that are, whoa, they're unhinged. But do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because there's some crazies, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get in your head. I'm going to be solid. I'll never do anything like that. You know what will happen to you? You'll never do nothing. You'll never do nothing. I'll never, you'll never do nothing, you know, because I, I just don't want to be like them. You know, they could get, you know what, get you in a good church, get underneath a good pastor, get somebody that's solid, somebody that's got a history. I got history. I got history. I ain't slept with anybody in the church. I don't owe anybody nothing. I never stole from the church. I couldn't never write a check. I don't want to write a check. I never took a penny from the church that didn't belong to me that was given to me. That someone else said it belonged to me. I got history. Now everybody is flake. Oh, there's some flakes out there. But not everybody is a flake. There's a lot of great godly men that really know the Lord and have a future and will preach to you and teach you the word of God. I'll tell you that. You don't have to live the same way. You know, it's a, it's a revelation to a lot of people. They don't have to be poor. 
They don't have to be broke. They don't have to be cursed. That, that their homes could be peaceful. That's a revelation to a lot of people. Miss Pennington, you don't care if I say this. I'm going to say this to you. One Wednesday night, I was in here preaching. I'm just going to give you a demonstration right here at church. Lana sits right here in the front seat. I don't know why. She must like get baptized in my spit or something up there. Her and Michael sit up there. And, you know, their husbands sit up there with them. But uh, one night, I looked at her right here in this church, and I said, God's going to prosper you. I don't know how I said it. He's going to bless you big time. She sells real estate. She calls me up. She said, you ain't going to believe this. You're not believe this one right here. Now, much has happened ever since then. She's, I think, even superseded a lot of that. But she said, there's a million-dollar piece of property that nobody could buy or sold for two years. Guess what? I only got one offer. If I'm telling this wrong, I got two offers on it. Somebody's going to buy it, and I'm going to get it. And I just started thinking, oh, how much is that in tithe right there, okay? <laughs> She's a tither. She's a blesser. She did it. Jack and I, I saw $1,000 of business. A guy said, I'm going to do it for God. And never gave a penny to the Lord. He went crazy. He went into multiple $1,000 worth of piece of property. He called me up. He's listened to me on the radio. He'd been in our church and left the church. He became very wealthy. Jack and I personally went down there and prayed, and he got it. And we said, you got to honor God with it. And he got it for a little of nothing. He took that money and spent it upon himself. He never honored God. And one day, he said, I think I'm going to kill myself. And this is months that took in. You know, when a curse starts to happen, like Jesus said, cursed be that tree. It didn't die immediately right there, but the next day they came by, it died. It, it takes a period of time. And you know what? He didn't honor the Lord, and he didn't stay with his word, and you saw what happened. I'll say this with Lana. God broke through. That gave her a breakthrough right there. And that was a good sign, not just for the tithe, but for her life. It said, okay, you're with me, Lord. I'm sure. I've never really asked her about this, but I'm sure it gave her a lot of confidence. It gave her a little shove. It propelled her forward. And uh, it's something just to begin to see. If I'm going to start taking a lot of examples, I could take a lot of examples. I do this all the time when I'm going past things and I, I'm believing God is going to do it. I'll say, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you're going to do right there, Lord. Thank you for that piece of property. Thank you, God, what you're going to do. I believe, I call those things as not as though they were, because I believe that when God puts things within our heart that we got to do it. Listen to this, and I'm almost finished. As is written, I made you the father of many nations, and he was appointed father in the sight of God to whom he believed who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things. He speaks of the non-existent things that he was foretold and promised as if they had already existed. 
So if you're waiting, let me give you an example. You're needing a good wife. Lord, thank you for that good woman. I'm calling those things as not as though they were. Lord, I love her to be just like this. I, this is what I want. If it's not in your will, check me on it. That's, if that's what you want, that's what I want. Lord, I want this guy. This is the kind of guy I want. I want this right here. Lord, I, I'm believing for a job. I'm going to be graduating, Lord. I'm really believing, Lord, that you're going to put me into this, in the horse business. And Lord, I thank you that doors are going to open. I'm calling those things as not as though they were. Lord, I thank you that I got favor before I ever walk in here. This banker is going to love me, going to be crazy about me, wants to give me money more than I even need. Lord, thank you. I call those things as not as though they were. I do it all the time. You can ask Marsha. There's something I'm calling right now. Hey, let me tell you this. Your daughter's dating somebody that you don't like and you don't think it's a good deal. We speak cursings to that relationship right there. What are you all laughing about? Oh, wait till they get up 15 years old. You'll be speaking a lot of things, okay? It may not be the cursings of godly cursings. It may be ungodly cursings, you may be saying. Y'all catch what I'm saying? Calling those things is not as though they were. I have a clean conscience about it, Lord. I'm believing. I'm believing those things. He said, Lord, you said I was going to have a son. I believe you're going to have, I'm going to have a son. I call those things as not as though they were. You know what? This is not going to be a typical deadhead religious church service right here. What I'm telling you is not something weird. I'm telling you it's the normal. It's the way we should be living. It's not the way most people are living, but it is the normal way to live as a Christian. This is not exterior out here, somewhere out like that out here. Uh-uh. No. It's not. It's not. This is mainline. The other people are exterior. This is interior. If you don't have faith for your future, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your... Well, I guess, you know what? There's a lot of people that go to college. They get 212 hours and don't even have a degree. Now, if you did that, that's okay. I'll help you get a degree. We'll get you through college. I didn't say that to make anybody feel bad. This one girl, I was talking to her. I said, what are you going to do with your life? I don't know. I said, where'd you go? Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to Georgetown College. Georgetown College. I said, 30,000 times four or 40,000 times four. That's $150,000. You better have a good job when you get out. I said, what'd you major in? Home economics. Oh, I said, oh, you're going to teach school. No, I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't. I hope this is nobody in here got home at, okay, as a major. And, and, and you don't even have a teaching degree. You're not even going to be able to teach. Think about the wisdom of some of these. Where is a guidance counselor at a school? We don't even have them sometimes. They are non-existent. I've never seen anything like it. People paid for a lot of money that don't even try to help students get 
a job. The reason you go to school is to get a job, make money. <laughs> this is what it's like in the church without any counseling. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I guess, nah, we better, no, don't, we don't want to pray because, man, it may get too excited. We don't definitely, no, no. And so you know what? It's a bunch of dried up religious stuff that don't amount to a hill of beans and it's never going to change the world. It's never going to change lives. It's never going to do anything to propel the gospel because it's not even in the counsel of the word of God. Come on. God's got a purpose. He's got a train. You're going somewhere. God's got gifts to give to you. He's got favor for you. He's got doors to give to you. He's got a purpose for your life. You're going to propel yourself. Yeah, I, I can't preach it hard enough. I ain't, I ain't good enough preacher like some of these guys. I'm telling you right now, I watched this black preacher the other day. I said, Lord, let that spirit come on me. If I could get a little bit of that. I'll tell you what. And he had a lot of deep word. A lot of word within him. Here's what Genesis 12 says, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, get thee out of your country, from your kindred, from the father's house, and a land that I will show you. And I'll make thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee, and I'll make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless you. And I'll curse those that curse you. And these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He gave him something propelling. He said, look up the stars. That's what your descendants is going to look like. Your family is going to be more than the stars, Abraham. I'm going to give you vision. I'm going to propel you. I'm going to give to you. Some of you acting confused. Let me tell you about confusion. It's of the devil. Confusion is not of God. Don't worry. God will get the message to you if you just open up your heart. Listen to me. I'm going to give you some really good counseling right now. Don't worry. God will get it to you if you're a really truly open. Don't panic. You just want it right now. But if God is really in this thing, don't worry. Relax. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. You know, I was praying about 2019. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to give you two words. I'm just a little peon out here, but I'll, I'll spew it out there for you, okay? Two words. Inquire. Ask the Lord. And number two, acquire. Inquire and acquire. Not only as you ask the Lord, you're going to receive it from the Lord. You ask of him and he shall give it unto you. Don't ever be afraid. You know, my wife and I have been married 45 years. 45. Count all them babies right there, okay? 45 years. Friday. It was the actually on the 23rd. It's a Friday night that we got married. 45 years ago. Now, one guy told me he'd been married 46 years, but he'd been married to five women. I've only been married to one, okay? Okay, now that, that ain't fair on that one right there, okay? But, you know, Marsha has 
never, ever been against me in anything. Well, when I bought a dog and we didn't have any money, and when I bought a horse that we didn't have any money. But I want you to know, she's been a real jewel. I don't just say that. Probably the best part about me. Can I just tell you this? Y'all think she's all meek and mild and sitting up in the front row. She, what her job is at Central Baptist Hospital, she's a nurse and she's over recovery. She deals with a lot of estrogen and men that even have estrogen there. I hope they're not listening to the broadcast today. But I just want to give you a word today, Marsha Brown. Are you ready for that one? I've been praying about this one for a long time. <laughs> stand up, Marsha. I always ask people to, I always ask people to stand up. She's not afraid of the snow or her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. Now, what does all that mean? You're not afraid of the storms that may come to our family, to our children. Because they're under the blood of God. For me and my household will serve the Lord. You're not afraid of it. To get what you want is going to take a battle. Do you feel that? You're pretty non-emotional. So do you feel that one right there? Okay. Can I tell you something? You're not going to be able to contain this fire that's going to start in here you're not going to be able to contain it let the fire burn you know what that california fire out there i some of the stories i just sat there and just cried people was trying to get other people out and burn up they don't even know if some of these people are still existing it all started you know what it started a campfire that's like starting a little pile of wood right here and scorched the worst fire ever in California history. Thank God for the rains that came to put the fire out or it'd still be burning. But that fire, fire is an amazing thing, what it does. It'll do unbelievable stuff to people. There's a fire that's going to begin to burn. Let me already just tell you something. You want a hospital ministry? I'm going to give you a hospital ministry. Go to UK, go to the new park, and get on the elevator. And don't get off. Buy you a Coca-Cola, bag of peanuts. When somebody gets on, you look at them. They're probably, there's a lot of families going to be crying. I'm here to pray for you. You don't need no invitation. Just ride the elevator. How much do you want to work? Just ride the elevator up and down. You want to have a hospital ministry? You don't even have to be a chaplain. Hey, I just want to tell you something. You're going to be all right. We're going to pray for you right here. I've never found, never found. It's so ironic. I got to tell you the story. I got to tell you the story. Oh, Lord, I hope nobody's watching on this. But I got to tell you the story anyway. When I came here to Kentucky, I was fought by certain people, a certain denomination that did not want me to come. And anyhow, this guy withstood me. He withstood me. He just said, we're not... We're not doing it. He actually even called me a renegade. I gave up everything, sold everything to come here. I probably was like a bull in a china shop. 
I probably was. I, I'm pretty tenacious on that kind of stuff. And so this guy, through the years, I've known him. I never, ever spoke to him. He's never spoke to me besides that meeting. I'm in the elevator at UK Hospital. I just visit someone. The, ele- the door opened. It was floor nine. This lady come on. She looked to be in her 60s. She was crying. I said, ma'am, what's wrong? My sister. They don't give her no hope. She went through and I said, is she a Christian? She said, yes, she is. I said, let me pray for you. And I just said, Lord, I ask you to touch her sister. I ask you to reverse everything. I ask for your hand to be upon her. And Lord, we stand in faith and we believe together right now in Jesus' name. I really felt the Lord in that elevator. I didn't care. People were getting on. It was stopping at different floors. People were looking at us, but I just kept on praying. Not to make a show, but to see something accomplished. We were walking together to the garage. I said, ma'am, where are you from? She told me the place. I said, well, I'm a pastor. I've just started a new church in Frankfurt. I was in Georgetown uh, for years, but we've planted a new church, the journey on Leestown. I said, what does your husband do? She said, he's a pastor. I said, what's his name? She told me his name. (laughs) This is how things go full circle. This takes years to tell. This is a year. Here we come back again. It's history coming back. And he said his name. I said, (laughs) I just kind of, you know how I am. I laugh at things when I shouldn't laugh. Uh, Awkward laughs. You know, I'm awkwardly laughing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I said, I think your husband knows me very well. Uh, She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, just tell him my name. You're not going to believe this one. I only seen this guy one time in my life, but now I've saw him two times in my life. And now I just met his wife for the first time years later. And she tells me her husband's name. And I meet this guy two weeks later. And he says, he looks right at me. He must know me. I don't know. Maybe I got a a face that he can't forget. Okay. He said, Reverend Brown. I said, how you doing? He said, you don't know what that meant to my wife. For you to pray, nobody, not one other pastor, not one other preacher besides me has ever to come to visit her sister. And she said she felt like heaven came down. And she said from that moment, the moment you prayed, it began to reverse. And he said, you know what? Here's what he said. He said, do you care if I give you a hug? You know how I am with men, okay? I I don't believe in them holy kisses and holy hugs. I'm pretty straight up and down here, okay? I said, yeah. He said, I'm sorry. I said, let's don't talk about it. If I hadn't forgiven him by then, I'd probably never have forgiven him. You get what I'm saying? 
it, it's it's way over. It's I already forgave him, and I can laugh at you know when you can laugh at your past, it's it's done. You you've forgiven. That's a good way to forget. I'm gonna tell you something. A personal prophecy drives your life. You need a word. You need a word in season. It's not my job to get it to you. It's just my job to tell you about it. I'm, I don't claim to be no prophet. I'm just an ordinary guy that's got a gift to pastor that loves his people, that want them to prosper and wants them to do well. He wants, God wants you to do really, really well. Do you believe that? Every one of you believe that. Thank you for listening today on uh, live streaming. May God be really bring you a personal prophecy to your life in Jesus' name.